A new study highlights the law school experience for women of color. Veronica Vargas-Stidvin and Fiona Trevelyan-Hornblower tell us how their study was put together and what it means. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. We're discussing the results from a study titled Women of Color, a study of law school experiences. And to help us out, we have Veronica Vargas-Stidvent, who is the executive director for the Center for Women in Law at the University of Texas at Austin. And we also have Fiona Trevelyan-Hornblower, who is the president and CEO of the NALP Foundation. But before we get to that, we want to thank our fantastic sponsor, NBI, the National Business Institute. Attorneys have trusted NBI with their CLE needs for over 35 years. Visit NBI bi-sems.com today to find out why that is. And also, don't forget to use the promo code LegalTalkNBI to get $100 off your next CLE course. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Veronica and Fiona. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks so much for having us. Excellent. Excellent. We've got a lot of ground to cover about your study, which tracked the experiences for women of color while in law school. It involved 4,000 participants. 800 of those were women of color during the 2017 to 2018 school year. And it stretched against or across 46 campuses. It was a vast study, about 160 pages, and focused on those personal elements of satisfaction, but also success within the law school experience. And it breaks it all down by various demographic groupings. So my first question for you all is, you know, tell us how the study was built, how you got it uh, all put together, and then who were the participants by their demographic grouping? So Fiona, I'll just give a little bit of background and then turn over to Fiona to get into the details of the study. The study came about because uh, there hadn't been a quantitative study about women of color in law school. And there was some anecdotal evidence that they did have different experiences. And so there was tremendous interest in really doing a, a, a robust research project to see if that actually bore out. And, and Fiona, can you talk a little bit more about how it was put together? So um, the study project had a 32-member advisory board comprised of law school deans and former deans, faculty, administrative leaders, leaders from bar and affinity groups, including the American Bar Association and MCCA, diversity and inclusion professionals, law firm and corporate representatives, and experts on women in the law, diversity, and sociology. And they all worked together to develop the study and design the survey instrument, which was then vetted through the University of Texas's Institutional Review Board. All of the ABA-accredited law schools in the United States were invited to participate. And then, as you mentioned, there were 46 participating schools who joined in the study. They actually distributed the survey link to their students and solicited their students' participation in the study. As I understand it, it was broken down into major parts, obtaining employment, satisfaction, perceptions of race and gender. But what were the major parts that were focused on in the survey? There was a lot of questions, as I understand it. It is indeed a very dense and very data-rich study. So some of the major things that the study looked at were satisfaction with the student's law school experience, future employment, factors they saw as important in obtaining future postgraduate employment, law students' interactions with various law school administrative departments, including things like career services, student affairs, financial aid, their interactions with faculty and their fellow students, and then looking at their educational profile, which means whether they came directly from law school or not, whether they had changed law school, what their expected class rank was, and then the all-important, how about financing for their legal education? 
we obviously not going to be able to cover all that. It's a, it's a very, very vast study. There's a lot of detail to it, but there was a few parts that jumped out at me that I thought were really important. Of course, the first one that caught my eye were factors for obtaining employment. So I want to talk with the, with you about the results that you that you observed here, the differences in perceptions about the importance of grades versus the use of the career services department at your school between women of color and some of the other demographics. This one I thought was really fascinating too, Lawrence, because there was a big difference between what women of color viewed as important in obtaining employment compared to their white male counterparts. So for example, 35% of women of color thought career services office was a top factor in obtaining postgraduate employment compared to 24% of white men. And conversely, 59% of white men thought grades were really important and only 47% of women of color felt the same way. So you see there's this big gap in what these students think is the most important factor for obtaining their job after law school. And so that is a real opportunity for education by employers, by law schools, by career services offices to really help prepare students for the next step. You know, in your conversations that you had putting the study together and talking with all the participants or, you know, getting their their information via survey, was there any insights on why that difference would be that that large? I don't think so. And Fiona may have a, a, some some additional insight, but it would, it was, the questions were constructed such that I don't know that they were giving all the reasons why they felt that way. That's right. They were responding um, in quantitative responses for most of the data, although there were opportunities for them to add narrative comments if they so desired, but they weren't required to do that. Totally understood. Yeah, there's only so much information you can get from a survey. So well, let's move on to the adverse interactions in law school. And so this one, I just need a little bit of help with. I didn't quite understand what it meant. So this was referring to comments or interactions from faculty or even fellow students that negatively impacted academic performance. So, you know, could you help me out a little bit? What does that mean, these uh, comments or interactions that were negative that had this uh, bad impact on academic performance? Sure. You know, I think the thing to think about here is what might interrupt someone's um, experience in the classroom. And I think that's what a lot of this is pointing to, that there can be experiences of either not being welcomed in the classroom or not being called on in the classroom or having another person, whether a faculty or fellow student, make an affirmative comment that makes you feel not welcome in the classroom and that that interrupts that academic moment for a student. Okay, and then where were the breakdowns there? So I understand, you know, obviously, you know, if it's if it's affecting your uh, ability to perform in class, I mean, that's a pretty severe comment or interaction. So what were the statistical uh, breakdowns amongst the demographic groups? Sure, and I think, you know, these are interesting and somewhat heartbreaking at times, right? So less than half, 46% of women of color reported that they frequently feel included or welcomed by law school faculty, whereas nearly two-thirds of white men, 62%, felt that they were welcomed by their law school faculty. Moreover, a significantly higher percentage of women of color reported they felt that faculty frequently or sometimes underestimated their ability for academic success. That was 41% of women of color versus only 27% of white men who reported that kind of experience. You know, a few more data points, students were asked to indicate how often they felt comfortable raising their hand to ask questions or respond in class. And women of color reported feeling this comfort level at a level 20 percentage points lower than white men. So 56% of white men, but only 36% of women of color. Oh, that's really interesting. Wow. 
So uh, I want to continue on in the adverse interactions in law school. And so this one was uh, came more towards the personal front. And so kind of building on the previous question, you know, let's discuss the results for negative interactions in the classroom, but then also affect the social relationships going outside of class. What was the breakdown there? So, and I think it's important to sort of surface that the social interaction, you know, component is particularly important in graduate schools like law school or like business school, because it's not only affecting the lived experience of the students, but these are where professional networks that will be particularly helpful going forward in their careers are also forged. So it's important not just to have that sort of cohort of peers, but that they are going to be long-term connections that can be valuable to folks um, in their professional development and evolution. So just looking at some of the data on that, you know, 50% of women of color and 57% of of men of color reported hearing comments or experiencing interactions in class that impacted their classroom learning, but also affected those social relationships outside of class, whereas only 46% of white women and 43% of white men reported similar impacts. And was there any indication like what the nature of those comments would be? I mean, is it like, uh, you know, I had classmates that I would argue with, you know, we'd go out to the the bars together and argue about this, that, the other thing. Or was this something a little bit to cut a little deeper? Was it something along the racial line or, or was there any indication? You know, so there are narrative responses that we included in the report that speak to this. And, um, you know, some of the things were having other peers make denigratory comments about a response or feel like someone was making fun of a response that they were making. That's unfortunate. You know, you you think that by the time you get to law school that uh, people would be a little bit nicer to each other. One would hope. Well, let's talk, and you kind of got in this a little bit, the networking opportunities. And, you know, I, I have learned this later in life, how valuable networking opportunities are. And so, you know, this was one that jumped out at me. And so I, this is another one of those two-part questions. And so, you know, your results from your study about the students being exposed to lawyers before law school, which I think is very important. So we want to talk about that. And then on the second side of this, we also want to talk about the participation in networking opportunities while in law school. So why don't we talk, let's start with the first part, personally knowing a lawyer before you go to law school? What were the results there? Well, it was really different, again, between uh, women of color, white men, white women and men of color. So for example, women of color, personally new lawyers, 67% versus 77% of white men. So that's a 10% difference. And then you think, well, that's 10%. But when you look at those cohorts and whether they were relatives or parents or guardians, and you see the difference here, I think more starkly, Women of color, 17% lawyer contacts would be relatives versus 33% for white men, uh, 28% for white women. So a big difference there. And that, as you pointed out, really does impact both your understanding of the profession and what you can expect going into law school and also your networking opportunities. I would agree with that. I mean, I think having exposure to just the the jargon and maybe even being able to call somebody when you get to law school, they can kind of give you the the 411 on outlines and things like that. I think it's really helpful. But let me ask a follow-up question. Let me know if I'm right or wrong here. When I was reading this, I noticed with a lot of these categories, you know, the, del- the delta, meaning the difference between the highest and lowest was about 10 to maybe 14%. And that was regarded as significant in some of your results. And so to me, 10% just does not seem super high. So let me give an example. You know, if if you, if the three of us are, are uh, you know, holding a party and we each get to invite a hundred guests, right? And so I invite a hundred guests and Veronica and Fiona each invite a hundred guests. And of my guests, 10% don't show up. And so that's 
90. You know, if you're at the party, I don't know if you notice, you know, that I only have 90 guests and you all have 200 guests. So I just comment on that, but uh, tell me why I'm right or wrong there. So I think, you know, as Ronnie mentioned at the beginning, you know, one of the reasons that we felt it was important to engage in the study was there was sort of a nascent sense that there was a differentiated experience for women of color in law school, but there was not robust data to actually confirm or deny this hypothesis. And when you actually do see something like a 10% or greater differential in these, I think it is indicative that something different is going on that merits attention by folks within law school and within the profession in general. Thank you. And thank you for that. I really appreciate that. So let's move on to the, the second part of that question, the networking opportunities, the participation. This, these are those student clubs, you know, the career service events, the law review journal events, the student group events. What was the breakdown there across the different demographic groups? One of the interesting things, and I think it's actually one of the bright spots in all of this, is that we did see that women of color engaged with the Career Services Office in general at higher rates. And so I think that gives us a window into the way we could start to address some of these differentiated experiences that for students who may not have had access to the social capital, either through family or relatives or other folks, that there are systemic things that law schools uh, or structures that they can put into place that can, if not fully compensate, at least be avenues for access for folks who have not had more exposure prior to getting to law school to these important networks and sources of information. Okay, well, we're running out of time, but I do want to close out with probably the most important question for both of you. I'd like to hear from each of you. And so, you know, based on your participation, what you've learned from this study, do you have any recommendations for law schools to make things better? I think this report is really a starting of a conversation. I hope that schools will take this report and take it back to their individual institutions, that employers will look at this report, take it back to their organizations and think about how this resonates with them and what they can do to make things different. I think this is rather than a one size fit all recommendation for all schools or all employers, this is really about digging deeper and having those difficult conversations being introspective and thinking about what are those things that we could do to address each of these issues. And Fiona. Absolutely. I think Ronnie is exactly on point. You know, this report provides a baseline for those challenging and sometimes really tough conversations that need to happen on an institution-specific basis. And I think we would hope that institutions would see this as an opportunity to engage in information gathering and strategy development you know, thinking about the classroom experience, both virtual and, you know, in person these days. And to think also about opportunities for, you know, shifts in pedagogy, the way faculty are trained, and also deploying this report or some of its findings with some of those student-facing areas like career services and student affairs, DNI and academic support to make sure that there is, you know, a really intentional and thoughtful approach to ensuring that there is opportunity opportunity for all of the folks who come to law school. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Veronica and Fiona. And thank you listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us in your favorite podcasting app. Also, we'll cite and make available our sources for this episode, including a link to the Women of Color, a Study of Law School Experiences on our website at LegalTalkNetwork.com. And finally, we wish to say thank you once again to our sponsor, NBI, the National Business Institute at NBI-SEMS.com. Don't forget the promo code LegalTalkNBI for $100 off your next CLE. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.